BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Look, I, I love that our fan base wants us to sign everyone out there, right? That That's great. Um, one, that I, I think that means that what this organization has done over the last couple of years has raised the bar um, and has set high expectations. And, and that's a great thing. We want high expectations. Um, we want our fans passionately engaged. Um, and, and we want them really to demand excellence. And, and that's what we're striving um, to succeed in. And excellence um, requires, uh, I, I think, thoughtful, strategic, um, and hopefully wise acquisitions throughout. It, it certainly includes the big ticket, um, you know, premium free agents um, when those are the right opportunities. Um, and it also ensures that you have really talented players throughout the entirety of your roster. Um, we, we, we can't win with one, two, three, four, five uh, exceptional players. Really, over the course of the year, you need somewhere between 50 and 60 um, players all contributing to uh, a really successful season. And so that's what um, we're, we're out to do. Uh, that's what we're out to accomplish. But in terms of, of, of the fan interest, the passion, uh, the desire for us to improve, um, those are all positives for me. Um, and, and ultimately, I think it, it makes us all do our jobs better. Um, and that, that same intensity that Harrison and, and Sevy were talking about, um, that, that fuels them, uh, it fuels us in the front office as well. Um, so I, I think it's a good thing. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, January the 14th, 2024. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on X, Talking Mets No G, and you can get me on Apple, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, 
Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Don't forget the newsletter, Substack.com slash at TalkingMetsNoG. And I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network for supporting this show. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. We'll start off a little bit on a sad note. Uh, condolences to the Harrelson family, obviously. It is never fun. You know, as I get into my late 40s and, and I start to gray a little bit in life myself, when you see individuals that you watch playing, not players that you heard about, not players that were from a bygone era, but guys that, now I didn't really see Buddy play, I saw him obviously as a manager more, but from an era that you grew up watching baseball pass on, it makes you feel a little old, gives you sadness, goes to show you how time flies by, but um, I hope you had a chance, even if you're not a paid subscriber. Uh, it was for everybody on Friday, but I had an opportunity to go into the vault and replay an interview. I had a chance in 2008 in the press box at, I, I believe at the time that the Ducks played at what was called EAB Park. And I had a chance to sit down with Buddy for about 25 minutes. And we talked about all sorts of stuff like growing up and trying to make it in the, as a shortstop, you know, the short height, how the short shortstop position evolved he talked about playing uh, for Gil Hodges and the differences between Gil and coaching with Davey Johnson, obviously the 69 and 73 Mets, and he was quite honest about why he didn't like managing. I mean, that was something that he talked about a little bit too. He was pretty honest about it, especially when he came on board, an aging team, a lot of expectations still, the explosion of talk radio, sports talk radio, so... Great segment. Go to substack.com slash at Talking Mets No G. See our Buddy Harrelson tribute from the vault. My conversation from 2008. One-on-one live in person. Mike Silva and Buddy Harrelson having a conversation. That's my little uh, tribute to uh, a really, really good Met. uh, You know, uh, uh, somebody who had a very instrumental part in developing Long Island Ducks baseball in the Atlantic League. And he will sorely be missed. So, uh, you know, hopefully Buddy's right now looking down and listening and worrying about what's going to happen to the 2024 Mets. So on to a more positive subject. So we have a lot to get into in this show. Joining me in a little bit, first time on the program, John Mincone. John is uh, a baseball analyst. He's spending most of his time on X Twitter right now analyzing the Mets. He actually played in the Mets farm system, retired uh, about 2015, 2016, but played with a number of guys that, including the guys like Brandon Nimmo and so on and so forth, that are currently on the club. So as a former minor leaguer, as a former professional ball player, John is going to give us his take on the Mets offseason. We'll riff a little bit about a bunch of stuff, and uh, it's always interesting to get the take about the team and players and what he believes the development trajectory is from someone who actually played the game and maybe didn't make it to the big leagues, but certainly knows what goes into making it and and how hard it is and some of the ways uh, that he had to develop and evolve. And, and let's see what he thinks. And then we'll get his thoughts on the Mets offseason to date. Uh, I always like I I like to say there's the getting to know you phase and, the, you know, what do they need phase? And that annoys some people because I've labeled like the parts of the season uh, I listened to David Stearns this past week when they were introducing Luis Severino and Harrison Bader. You heard the clip from uh, Stearns on the way in. You know, we're at a point, you know, the Yankees signed uh, Marcus Stroman 
And I, you know, you're at the point where the fans are. The give me somebody, anybody phase. We go through this all the time, especially in off seasons that are a little bit more arid in terms of transactions or significant transactions. The Mets have made a number of transactions. They just haven't been all brand names or significant transactions where the fans get to the something, anything phase. Give me somebody. I need somebody to make me feel better about this team. And that's quite simply when you're dealing with millions and millions and millions of dollars, is that the way you run an organization? And I think Stearns, um, and I'll say this, the more I get to hear David Stearns, the more I get to like him. You know, I wasn't a fan of his first move in firing Buck Walter. That annoyed me. But I understand, you know, where he's trying to go now. And I don't think he's trying to do a sales job on us. See, a lot of times during the Sandy Alderson era, especially early on before the pennant in 2015, when they were in baseball purgatory, Sandy, who was never really a great guy with the media, he was condescending, he was lawyerly, he kind of annoyed me a lot. Uh, he would he would have these doof these goofy you know doofus type of uh, uh, conversations with the uh, the media you know making jokes about not having an outfielder and what have you and, and you know cough a lot which usually means you're lying and uh, and really talking circles it used to drive me crazy but you knew that he also was hamstrung because the owners you know didn't really have a budget the budget always moved and he took on a job that was presented to him differently than what it turned out to be. And in a lot of ways, the thought was that he took the job because the commissioner's office said, I needed an adult in the room in New York. That's becoming a problem over there. I don't sense that with Stearns. And I know that you've heard some criticism that, you know, Stearns is out there under the direction of Cohen to bring a small market payroll, to save money for the organization. Look, the Mets are going to have over a $300 million payroll. If they wanted to pare this down a la 1998 Marlins style, they could go off and sell players off. They could have sold Pete Alonso already. They could have traded Jeff McNeil. They would teams that would want him. Uh, you know, they could even probably trade Brandon Nimmo, you know, if they wanted to. There's, there'd be no shortage of their core players. Even Lindor, that would be more complicated because of the contract. But you could find a taker if you wanted to tear this thing down if that's really what they wanted to do. And, and I don't believe that's what they want to do. I think we're at a point where... And I'll call this, and if you go back to the GM meeting, Stearns brought this up, the opportunistic phase of the offseason. And truthfully, I think everything is playing out exactly how when we sat down in October, we thought it was going to play out. Now, we all, myself included, wanted him to take a page out of Billy Epler's book and go full throttle with the spending. You know, go after Jordan Montgomery, go after Yamamoto. Uh, supplement the offense with guys like maybe Solaire or Tuescar Hernandez and uh, you know Justin Turner. There's a whole bunch of names we brought up. You know, I've advocated a Super Bowl pen, and I still think that's something they could do with uh, Aroldis Chapman and David Robertson leading a bridge to Edwin Diaz. That maybe that's something they could still do. And look, Stearns has looked at the roster and said, um, you know, Yamamoto was the one big play that they felt very comfortable going deep in on. They weren't so sold on anybody else that was out there. And now I think throughout most of the offseason with guys like Severino and Harrison Bader, uh, you know, Severino looking at some of the contracts that have happened after with even Frankie Montes getting $16 million, they might've saved a couple of million and he might've been the first, you know, bite out there with the musical chairs uh, I don't want to say Severino was opportunistic, but I think as you get into this part with the Bader 
uh, signing, Sean Manaya signing for sure. You're getting more opportunistic. You're getting guys who I think could uh, overplay their salary, could could be core contributors to the team. I know they're only on you know one or you know two year deals or something like that with options and things like that. And I think that that's what he talked about. He looked at the roster. He says I have a good core group of offensive players. And that core group may include Starling Marte, and you're starting to see some positive results from winter ball. You know, Marte is looking a little bit better running around the bases, hitting the baseball. Look, we saw that with Robinson Cano a couple of years ago, and then he came to spring training, and he started the season, and he couldn't get around on a fastball, and he was out of the league within a couple of months. So just remember, things could change. You know, it is winter ball. He isn't playing against all big leaguers, but it's a positive step. And that could be huge for the Mets offense. So you have a core, a group of core offensive players that aren't much different than the team that won 100 games a couple of years ago. They haven't lost anybody of significance from that offensive group. They just have to perform. And then the component players that you know are, are fungible, you know maybe Escobar is the one big big difference. And you're trying to see if Beatty or you know potentially before he got hurt, Mauricio could have taken over. You know, so you have that. Uh, you know, you still have Diaz, an elite closer. The bridge to the bullpen is a question mark. That was a question mark going into the 2022 season. So that's something that they're still working on. I think, you know, you hear names like, you know, Brebia or Wandy Peralta. I think they should go. And I know he didn't have a good time of it in, in Miami. But I think David Robertson showed to be a really good fit. And now with Diaz back, he can fall into that role where he doesn't have to close every day. And maybe you can manage his workload at his age a little bit better. I think Aroldis Chapman is another name to keep an eye up, but you could be opportunistic there. You know, and I know the names that you're hearing now, uh, bigger names than that, like Jorge Soler and Blake Snell. And you start to wonder, you know, is Soler's market, I know Toronto's in on it, is it shrinking to the point where maybe the Mets want to bring in this, you know, this guy, hits left-handed pitching, he's a thumper. I mean, Soler to me, the real question, and I'll get into Soler and Snell right now. Soler to me, the real question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to give up on Mark Vientos or possibly Brett Beatty? Because let's face it, Brett Beatty's not showing that he's going to be a defensive player. I mean, we all talk about Vientos being a butcher at third base. Beatty is as big of a butcher at third base. You know, both those guys could be profiling as a DH. So, you know, if Beatty comes out and hits the tar out of the ball, but still shows he can't play defense, you might need that DH spot for him. And so there's a DH. I mean, I know he can play the outfield, but he's a DH. He's a guy that you're going to put at DH spot. You're not really going to put him in the outfield. So you sign him for even one year. You're blocking both of those guys from that spot. And really the question is, I mean, more importantly, because I think Beatty will get more chances to show that he can play the third base position, uh, but Vientos, you know, at some point, you know, do you have Soler and Vientos? Which, look, Soler is, outside of that juice bowl year in 2019, he's a guy who's going to eat 30 home runs. He'll drive you about 80 to 90 runs. Um, you know, he's he's been inconsistent throughout his career where he's had a couple of really good years, but it's been a bunch of below-league average seasons where he'll hit you some home runs but not really do anything else. Once you commit to somebody at the DH spot, and and I mean, I, I don't think Vientos, I mean, he has options, but how much longer are you going to keep him down in AAA? I mean, what, another year maybe? You can keep him down in AAA. I, you know, he might be getting into that. You know, he's been in the minors six seasons. So I know he's got options, but I don't know how much longer you could keep him, you know, down there. To be fair to the guy, I mean, he's proven everything that he could prove in AAA. I mean, the guy's got a, a minor league OPS of, of about 850. I mean, the guy gets on base in the minors, hits at a high level. Maybe he's 4A. I think we're at that point. 
but you bring in Solaire, uh, which I'm not opposed to on a reasonable deal. But you know that's this is not a perfect player. It's not like you're getting and yeah, you get an all star from last year. But that's a guy whose career's been up and down. You're basically saying Vientos is 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 out of the question. Now you know he hasn't proven anything at the big league level. He hasn't hit. He's popped a few home runs. He's shown no consistency. Struck out a lot. Doesn't have a position. But when you look at some of the peripheral numbers, I mean, he hits the ball hard. Actually, he hits the ball harder when he makes contact than anybody else on the club, including Pete Alonso. And I know that that's maybe an overused stat, and I understand that. But there is some outcome stats that show the process may not be all bad. Working down with Lindor down uh, in the Dominican, right? Or wherever, Puerto Rico, wherever they went down. Um, let's see where that comes out of. You know, Let's see where uh, you know, Vientos offseason work comes out of. So I don't... I wouldn't go all out to sign Soler at this point. Uh, just like the offseason is, you know, just like the season's broken into this, the getting to know you phase and then all that other stuff I go into. I think the the season now, more than ever, and Stearns talked about it in terms of the bullpen. He talked about it where, hey, just because you have a bullpen in April doesn't mean that's the bullpen in August. Bullpens are very fungible. And there are other parts of the roster that aren't as fungible. Look, you don't want to be messing around with your starters all year. You want to, you can add to it, but you want to have your starters pretty solidified early on. You can add some component parts to your offense, but you need your stars. You need your core stars. Let's have that. So I think that this, with the way you are with the three wild card era, still kind of a new concept the last couple of years. It used to be 50 games. You got to start getting your, your act together after, you know, mid-May, you know, in the early wild card days. You know, now you could probably mess around with this thing until the All-Star break, mid-July, and start to figure out, okay, we're hovering around 500. We're five games out of a wild card, some wild card, maybe the third wild card. Now's our chance to see what we need to get it done. You know, Vantel's not working out. You could go out and get a DH. Bullpen needs some uh, supplementation. You could go out and get some bullpen arms. You not, may not be able to get elite closers because they're expensive, but you can get some bullpen arms and some teams that are, 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 are waving the white flag. It, it, it works both ways. It can make it a little harder because other teams are hovering and it shrinks the available players and it may make the cost of these players going up. But that's why you want to have a strong system. Also, because you're holding on to your pitchers, Maybe a Dom Hamill becomes a bullpen piece down the stretch or a Christian Scott or, you know, these young arms because you don't want them to overplay their innings. Maybe that is something that, that comes into play. So you're, you you got to look at it now where you've, you've gone this far with the philosophy this offseason. Is a Jorge Solar enough of an upgrade where you want to start throwing Vientos in the, in the, in the garbage bin? Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big-time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. 
I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Because that's what you're doing. And, or are you willing to block Beatty for a couple of years from being a DH? Because that's a possibility too. So something to think about. Now, Blake Snell is far more complicated because he's enticing. Now, I don't like Blake Snell. He's had a couple of years, 18 and 23, a five-year gap where, you know, he's been a Cy Young those two years, and then you take that out, he's been a pretty good pitcher. No matter how you slice or dice it, whether you take him since 2021 or 2018, and you rank him against the rest of his peers, he's a top 15 to 20 pitcher in baseball. And there's a value, because the Mets don't have those guys anymore. Kodai Senga... Maybe that guy, but he has to show it over a much larger frame of mind. You don't have Chris Bassett anymore. You don't have, you know, vintage Strowman when he was, you know, at the top of his game. You don't have DeGrom. You don't have Scherzer. You don't have Syndergaard, you know, who was one of those guys once upon a time. So, you know, Snell's enticing. Now, he's going to cost you a ton of uh, draft capital because of the uh, signing, you know, someone who had the qualifying offer. He's going to cost you international uh, bonus money. So if you're going to do it, you're not going to do it for a one-year pillow contract. Because, you know, to me, you're giving him a lot of draft capital for that. That'd be a great scenario, right? Snell wants to go back out, show everybody that he's still the Cy Young. Let me sign a one-year deal. I think if he does that, he goes to the West Coast. Everybody says he's a West Coast guy. Now, you start to look at three-year deals, $35 million, maybe three years, let's say $105 million. It becomes much more enticing because you're not locked down. Maybe you get the best of him and the best that he's got left. Maybe it's worth the draft capital. You bring in all these smart people from Milwaukee and, and Gross from Houston. You know, just because you don't have a number one or number two, you know, top ten pick doesn't mean that you can't, you know, do well in the draft. You know, you can find value throughout the whole entire draft. You know, you lose a million dollars international money. You know, sometimes you could find a, a, a player for very little. You know, not everybody's, 
you know, going to sign the the biggest international fish that's out there. So there's a lot of guys, diamonds in the rough. That's what you do when you when you go down to Dominican. You're trying to project and find the next, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. or Luis Angel Acuna or guys like that. So, you know, it's much more complicated. I think Snell is a guy that gets paid. You know, you've heard like seven years, 290, seven years, 250, something crazy like you know the guy's going to get $30 million. The Yankees offered him five years, $150 million. Now, the Yankees did that just to pacify their fan base. They knew he wasn't going to sign for that because they all along they wanted to sign a guy like Stroman because they got a budget too. Don't be fooled by them. They want to fool you just like they, they conveniently set up the press conference about Yamamoto hours before he announced he was signing with L.A. They kind of knew they were out of it, but they want to show you how much they did to get him because they know they have a branding problem with their fan base over the last couple of years. So they're doing a lot of the Spinmeister stuff. You know, the Mets, they're pretty honest about where they're at. Uh, they put a lot of money into the team. They got a lot of dead money. Um, they don't mind spending money. He doesn't mind paying the luxury tax. You know, Cohen's going to pay over $70 million for the luxury tax. But at some point, if you're going to win 84 games or 83 games and sneak into the wild card, why spend an extra $30, $40 million in luxury tax money for players like Soler that you may already have in Vientos. And you know me, I'm not that guy that likes to talk like that. But the more I look at and listen to Stearns, and I've been doing it a certain way and advocating a certain way for years, and people have been saying, Mike, you know, look at teams like Houston, look at teams like Tampa Bay, even look at the Yankees. You know, the Yankees have got guys over the years like Luke Voigt, Mike Talkman, you know, who have come out of nowhere and, and produced, albeit, you know, Gio Urshela, uh, who have uh, Ursula? Uh, you know, who have produced uh, at a high level, even if it was for a year or two, at, at very minimal money, and that's what Moneyball is a lot. And that doesn't mean your whole roster is like that. I'm not asking the Mets to become Tampa because they're not. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna sign big free agents. You know, they're you know they're gonna try to get Alonzo a long term contract, I believe, and things like that. They already have a one of the highest paid shortstops in baseball, and they have. You know, guys like Nimmo who got big contracts and Marte and things like that. So, you know, there there is money on this team. Uh, would Snell make me feel better about the rotation next year? Absolutely. Do I uh, feel comfortable giving up important capital for a guy uh, like Snell? You know, I think on a three-year deal, if Cohen's willing to eat the money, because here's the thing, you sign Snell... Next offseason, I'm not sure you go after Wheeler or Walker Bueller or Corbin Burns or those guys. I'm not sure. You might be, you know, I, I don't know if you want too many of these $30 million a year pitchers on your roster. You want because they get hurt and then it becomes another Scherzer-Verlander situation. So when you sign them, you want to be right. And then maybe you want to go. And, and I, I still think, and it sounds like Montgomery is going to go back to Texas. Um, I still think Montgomery would be somebody that I'd, I'd look further into, but... You know, that, that sounds like that ship has sailed. Imanaga went to Chicago on a reasonable deal, uh, $15 million per year with some uh, triggers. Uh, they probably just weren't interested in him. They didn't think he was a difference maker enough. Uh, personally, you know, him and Manaya, if Manaya is on and the new version of Manaya is what we're being told, he's probably better than Imanaga, or at the very least the same. Uh, and he has a track record, and you kind of know, former first-round pick too, you kind of know what you have. Same thing with Severino, you know, somewhat of a track record. So... It looks like they're going to take these guys that are at inflection points in their careers. And they're going to go to battle with them, and it does. And, and, I, and I still get annoyed. And I talked about this, and I'll probably write about this at Beyond the Mic a little bit. It's a different approach to the team. It's different than what they've done 
pretty much every offseason since Cohen took over. And it's being compared to some of the, hey, we have this much money to spend on the Wilpon watch. Find the best players within this budget. That's not what this is about. This is, hey, I'm willing to spend, but could you be wise about your spending? If Sean Manaya, the revamped version, could give you just as much as potentially Aaron Nola maybe for a lot less, then go for it. The same thing for that versus Imanaga and, you know, Giolito and all this other stuff. I mean, it's almost like everybody would feel better if the Mets signed a big free agent to a big contract like a Giolito, which I advocated for. So I'm not saying because I thought, you know, a guy might be somebody that with this pitching lab you keep hearing about could take people to the next level. You know, but they know better. They are looking at, and, and I keep going back to a conversation we had with uh, Jeff from uh, Mets Fix. They have way more analytics and insight than we ever will have. It's just true. So we're, we're really playing armchair GM, and the job of armchair GM is even harder. You know, Manaya was a guy that I, you know, I said, eh, five-inning guy, maybe he's a swingman, similar to Lucchese. They feel he's more than that, and you saw some videos, and you saw some uh, analysis of what he's been doing with driveline, and, you know, there you go. So um, I, I'm still very leery of Snell. Um, on the Even on a short-term deal, I'm no. There's no chance you want to give up all this draft capital for one-year deal. Look, if he wasn't offered a qualifying offer, then go out, give him a high AAV, even $40 million for one year. Maybe he wants to go out and, and you know, reprove himself if he doesn't get what he wants. You know, San Francisco signed Hicks. I can't see the Dodgers, unless, you know, Snell wants to defer 90% of his money going after him more. The Yankees seem to have already made their play. I, I keep hearing he's a West Coast guy, so that to me, you know, maybe he goes back to San Diego, but I don't think they have any money to spend. His market will be very interesting. What was interesting was Jim Bowden over at SiriusXM saying that a lot of the holdup this offseason wasn't just Otani and Yamamoto. It's the fact that these teams are so in flux with their cable contracts. And with the cord cutting, you know, now you see MSG and Yes are having some kind of direct-to-consumer streaming package they're working on. Really wish the Mets would work on one. Uh, I think you have to you have to have a cable subscription to get SMY on streaming. Uh, and cable's becoming extremely overpriced and expensive for the product they're giving you. And, you know, where that bubble's about to burst. You know, this could change the complexion. You know, these cable deals, these RSM bubble bursting, you know, baseball and these teams are going to have to figure out ways to get to consumers who don't want an onerous cable or Verizon or Spectrum, whatever deal that, you know, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I'm spending over $300 a month, and I still have to question, why am I keeping this? It's because of sports. I could get everything else. You know, I could sign up for HBO Max and pay for that separate and things like that for shows that I want to watch and what have you. And there's great stuff on streaming. So we're at that opportunistic phase of the offseason season. I still don't believe the Mets are going to be in on any of these big guys. You know, maybe a Justin Turner or a Solaire I could possibly see. I like Turner in a way because he at least can play the field a little bit. I know he's more of a DH. Um, but the more I think about it is you really got to spend the first 60 to 75 games really finally figuring out what you have with Vientos and Baby. I think you kind of know what you have with Alvarez. I really do. But with Vientos and Beatty, you know, we got you got to figure it out because if there's something there and then you bring in a Turner or a Solaire for a year and it stunts the development or you wind up trading them because they're in no man's land, then they go somewhere else and they tear the cover off the ball. And you're like, well, why couldn't he have done that here? Because you never gave him a chance. 
Now, sometimes a change of scenery is something that's got to happen. And maybe that's, you know, it's not, Beatty's not at that point, but if Beatty stinks up the joint, he's not too far from that after this year. You know, he's entering Dom Smith territory at that point. But, um, you know, I think that's where we're at. I think you have to really understand what is here with this organization. And we have to, uh, as a fan base, be comfortable that you got to try this. I know this doesn't make you feel good, especially because you're still smarting about the San Diego loss from a couple of years ago and the unfulfilled expectations of 2023. But And, and it doesn't have to be a step back. It's just a different approach. And I'm not spinning it. You're going in. You're not loading this roster up with guarantees that, let's face it, are expensive. And sometimes you could get the same thing for a partial price, especially with relievers and DHs. And you're trying to see what you have and and slowly, like a marathon, a long marathon, play this out of the long haul. And it will not be good for instant gratification. It will be rife with criticism from the media, especially talk radio, meatheads on talk radio that don't really understand how this thing works, that just want hot clicks and hot takes and have to fill five hours a day with calls because that's the business model, an antiquated business model. Um, This is a process. The season is long. It's always been long. And we have to play this out. Now, a year from now, we're still playing this nonsense and garbage and the Mets you know, have all this money coming off the books and they're still not in on this guy and that guy. And they're out there signing you know, all these scrappy picks and they're looking at the next Sean Manaya. Sure, I'll be the first to criticize. I don't think that's what this is about. And Stearns, one thing about Stearns, he comes across very sincere, very polite. I don't get that there's any spin with him. I think he's just like... He's careful. It's like, hey, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. So that's where we're at, the opportunistic phase. I think that they may pounce on somebody. I don't think anybody would qualify well for like Snell. I know there's some reports out there that Snell's still there. I think it, it, any kind of deal, the three-year deal, even if it's two years plus an opt-out, it's enticing to a certain degree because it's the bird in hand now versus you know what's next offseason. And, and look, with all the money coming off, you know, basically, Snell's $35 million is replaced by the Scherzer money coming off. For Lander, you might still have some money owed depending on how he pitches this year. Um, I, I'm not comfortable saying that Snell, in New York, East Coast, with the inconsistent results you've seen, is that guy that, you know, and I'm willing to sacrifice any signing, any big pick. You know, I'd love for them to go back after Zach Wheeler, and that's funny because I was a Zach Wheeler critic for many years. I'd like them to go back after Zach Wheeler if he makes it to free agency and he doesn't sign an extension with the Phillies. I wonder if that's possible. So uh, we're going to be riffing a lot about the offseason. So like I said, John Mincone, uh, former Mets farmhand, uh, retired back in 2016 and uh, also played for the Long Island Ducks. We'll ask him about, you know, Buddy Harrelson. John is on X at J Mincone, and he talks about baseball on X. And I know he's working on his own social media platform. But what I find interesting is that he played the game. Uh, he's also he also knows a lot of the guys that are uh, you know currently with the club because he played with them in the lower minors, and I'd like to get his take on Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos and Blake Snell and so on and so forth. So um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, John Mincone and I will riff about the Mets and the hot stove as we are at the opportunistic phase of the offseason. I'm going to drive you guys nuts with all these labels. I'll have all this hate mail. Stop with the getting to know you. Stop with the opportunistic. Stop with this. Stop. I can't help it. That's the way I am. That's the way we do things at this show. All right. We'll be back with more right after this. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.